Hi guys, welcome to the Simple Doesn't Mean Easy podcast. We are here twice a week working at simplifying things in our lives one day at a time, one simple step at a time. And I'm your host, Michelle Visser. And today is the last episode of our season seven. We're wrapping up the last official season. This is actually episode 98 or season seven episode, I'm not sure, eight. I have to look that up before I label the the title of the episode. Um, And starting next Monday, we are going to be rolling over into just simple single episodes instead of a whole season of eight or 10 or 15 episodes around one topic. We're just going to be diving into all of this great stuff one week at a time. And I'm excited about that. I'm also excited about next Monday's episode because it's my hundredth, one hundredth episode. So I'm bringing on a special guest who's very special, near and dear to me. Um, so, so far this season, we've talked about salt and sprouts. Am I going to forget anything? Sugar, fats, um, fermented foods. And then we did a week just on specifically kombucha. Last episode, last Monday was about organs and organ meat and ways to incorporate that into your diet and why you might want to. And then today we are talking about flour but very specifically fresh flour, why you'd want to go to the extra added effort of making, milling your own flour and some details about that. So I'm excited about that. And by the way, in two weeks from now, so releasing two Mondays from now, I'm bringing on a friend who's been on the podcast before, super fun to talk with. And her and I are just literally chatting all things fresh flour. She too has been milling her own flour for probably longer than I have. Um, And it's just a really fun talk. The crazy thing is we actually recorded this many months ago, but I was holding on to it because I thought I'd be doing my next season all about fresh flour. So it was going to be part of that whole season. Like I said, now we can just bring on guests when they're available and talk about all these fun topics when you know, the people are available to talk about it. And also whenever you guys are interested in something and asking me lots of questions, like over on Instagram, sometimes I'll share a reel and it just kind of blows up and I get so many questions and so much interest about that topic. Well, I could just do a podcast episode and dive deep into it now, since it doesn't matter if it relates to our season. So before we dive in today, I want to tell you a quick story about a guy and his favorite drink. Bill, since before we were married, was totally adamant about sweet tea. And he always used Lipton tea bags to the point that when we got, when we were engaged and I had my bridal shower, his mom gave me a instant teapot to make sweet tea the way he wants it to be made because that was like, it's so important to Bill. (laughs) Um, And when I started caring more about my tea and switching it over to organic, I really wanted him to stop using the Lipton tea bags and I really wanted to make him a better drink. So I'll spare you the whole story, but I will tell you that I did it as a blind taste test. I practiced and worked on it and I gave it to him blindly and he didn't notice the difference. I share my whole recipe, exactly how I make it and links to the products. It's super, super easy and so delicious. 
and it's totally organic and you can use all natural sugar. Anyway, I share that all over at solelyrested.com slash teas. And y'all know it's using my absolute favorite tea company's organic teas. And there is a discount code there and links to actually eight of my personal top pick of their teas, as long as well as the two that I use to make Bill's absolute favorite, has to have it every day, iced tea. So go check out that recipe at solelyrested.com slash teas and go check out Positively Tea and use the discount code that I have there and just give the, it's a great company. Give them a shout out. Let them know I sent you. Um, But seriously, you know what? Hit pause right now. Go to solelyrested.com slash teas. Go check it out. This sweet tea, it's like kind of life-changing solelyrested.com slash teas. Go ahead, do it. I'll be here when you're back. Okay. So um, I also want to tell you everything we're talking about today with Fresh Flower. If you're intrigued, interested, want to know more, um, go to solelyrested.com slash flower and dive into all of my free resources. Guys, I've been pulling together resources on this topic for years. I'm pretty passionate about it. And you can get a series of emails from me that's all about this topic. Even if you've been milling your own flour for a while, I think you will find some interesting facts and details in this totally free resource, solelyrested.com slash flour, F-L-O-U-R. Okay. We moved to our farmhouse almost 10 years ago. And... It didn't take long for us to be here until I was dying to know the history behind the house. And I did some research and I found out that at one time, well, when the house was built, most likely it was built by a miller, probably around 1840, 18 in that 1840 to 1860, probably in that range. And he harnessed the power of the river that's running through the acreage here. He would grind wheat and corn and, you know, grains that neighbors would bring to him, farmers would bring to him. And some days I find it so stinking amazing that here I am living in the house built by the miller and I'm in my modern kitchen with my modern appliances, like my automatic dishwasher and my snazzy mixer and, you know, whatever, and and my high-tech grain mill on my counter. And I'm also milling my own flour. And I just get kind of, I got goosebumps just now. I just get really excited <laughs> at thinking about how it's changed. You know, it's, I, I don't have to feed the donkeys and harness them up and turn the, the gristmill to get my flour. <laughs> I can just flip a button. And it, it just amazes me that we can harness all of that power into such an amazing little machine that sits on our counter. It gets me pretty excited. So why did I ever want to mill flour? Honestly, I thought about it long before we moved to New England, long before I ever knew I would live in an old house built by a miller. <laughs> um, when we first got married, Bill and I talked about starting to mill our own flour. I don't remember where I first saw it or where I got the idea, but he and I both were very intrigued because I think primarily because once a week we would make pizza and he would get the frozen loaves of bread at the grocery store in the freezer section. And we would use that to make our pizza. 
And we knew that it could be better. We knew it. (laughs) And we actually got a bread machine. Funny, I don't know. There was a time when those were so big. Everybody thought if you want to make bread, you have to have a bread machine. But the loaves that they make are so awful and that weird shape. And I don't know what I was thinking, but we got a bread machine. Um, And we wanted, at that point, we thought, okay, imagine if our flour was even better. But at the time, it was just a cost hurdle we could not get over. And the machines were so big and clonky. Clonky? (laughs) Where did I come up with that? By the way, if I sound a little odd to you, I am really fighting um, some sort of a, I don't know what I'm fighting. I don't feel that great. So sorry if I sound weird or I'm pausing to take a drink of water now and then. But um, the, the mill was big, awkward, and very, very expensive. And we couldn't figure out how to access the grains without that costing us a ton of money as well. It's amazing how things have changed. I mean, it has been 30 years now, so maybe it's not that amazing how much it's changed. So it was something we knew we wanted to do, but we had no idea how to go about it. So we just gave up on the thought. And then two decades later, I started looking into it more and realized it might be a possibility. Um, When I researched the difference in fresh flour and the flour that you buy at the store, that's when I knew I really wanted to see if this was something I could do. So let me break it down for you. When you harvest the wheat from the field and you know the top of each stalk has all those little tiny berries formed in that little cluster at the top, well, the miller will separate all those berries, or the farmer, I should say, um, and each tiny little berry then can be stored away. And when you're ready to make your flour, you can grind that berry and have your flour. And each tiny little wheat berry has three parts. This is the crazy thing. Two of those three parts are literally gotten rid of when enriched flour, which it makes me cringe just calling it enriched. I'll tell you why in a minute. Uh, Enriched flour at the grocery store is made. They get rid of two out of the three parts. You see, the outside layer is the bran, and that has the fiber and a lot of nutrients in it. And then the next section, so like the middle of the wheat berry, is the endosperm, and that is pretty much loaded with starch. Then the teeny little germ inside, like um, surrounded by the endosperm, just a little germ inside, that is where the amazing magic happens for your flour because the germ is loaded with vitamins and proteins and minerals. But the problem for flour manufacturers is that in addition to all those vitamins and proteins and minerals, the bran has oil in it. And oil, by its very nature, is going to go rancid. So if the flour manufacturers include the germ when they grind up the flour, it's not going to be able to sit on the store shelf for more than a few weeks probably without starting to go bad. And of course, there isn't any money to be made in that. The money is when you can have something that's very shelf stable that you can churn out in large quantities and it can sit on store shelves for years. So the manufacturers took just that center section because that center section has nothing that's going to go rancid or bad, and it will last for much longer. They took just that endosperm. And if you remember, I told you what it was made up of, not nutrients, not vitamins, not minerals. It's made up of starch. They take just that starchy part, and then they add back in things so they can call it enriched. And I'm saying that with air quotes. 
So they've taken all the value out of the wheat berry in order to make more money. It all comes down to that always, doesn't it? So when you purchase um, the flour at the store, the only part of the wheat berry that you're getting is the starch. That's it. And that's why they have to enrich it because otherwise there's no value in it. The germ and the bran part of the wheat berries are completely removed. And um, the only way to, to, to access those, to use those parts of the wheat berry is if you personally are going to grind it yourself. So also what about, so when you grind it yourself, you do want to use it within a few weeks. If you're not going to be using it within the next day or two, it's good to even keep it in the refrigerator to keep those nutrients more viable and the oil better. Um, but what was I going to say? I hate that when I start a sentence and then my brain just goes, woo, especially when I'm not feeling well. Um, okay. So it, the fresh flower does not have that long shelf stable time, but here's the beauty. The wheat berries, they pretty much last forever. I mean, we found wheat berries from ancient Egypt that we have ground and made flour out of. So they tell you there's a shelf limit to wheat berries. I don't know why they come up with that because I can't imagine. I mean, surely it's not going to be as good if it's a thousand years old, no doubt about it. But you can keep wheat berries. They they keep. <laughs> they pretty much last forever. And since you're grinding in the germ and the bran, which the flower companies strip away, your freshly ground flour has so much more nutritious options than you're ever going to find in flour you buy at the store. Now I do, um, until just recently, I was still buying flour. I would buy the best King Arthur flour to get the best nutrients I could and um, to have the least refined flour. Um, so there are different levels of you know what you can buy at the store for sure, but nothing's going to match your fresh flour as far as nutrients. And I love to have a large variety of wheat berries that I use because every wheat berry has a different nutrition profile. And when you're mixing them up, you're getting different nutrients in your diet. So much better for you than just that stripped and rich flour that they just added some stuff to that is not really natural. So, oh, also wheat berries, if you want, if you have a large amount of them stored up and you're you're wondering, is that something I can use as a food source? Yes, it absolutely is. You can actually boil them, cook the wheat berries. They're kind of chewy. They have like a subtly nutty taste usually. You could put them on your salads. Um, you could even just eat them for breakfast, add some milk and some honey. I've never done that, but I know people do. Um, so if, if I have you intrigued and if you're thinking about, hmm, maybe this is something I should look into, let me give you some tips for baking with fresh flour. Or maybe you already have a mill and you've been struggling because it is different. Using fresh flour, absolutely, there's a learning curve. Um, and I think anybody that you ask that tells you, oh yeah, I got a mill and I use fresh flour and you ask them, they would, if they're being honest, they'll probably tell you the first few loaves of bread they made, maybe, maybe longer than the first few, <laughs> were just bricks. They just weren't good and they didn't know what they were doing wrong. So let me give you these tips. First of all, don't hesitate. Like I said, until just recently, I did this. Don't hesitate to use a percentage of your fresh flour and a percentage of a commercial flour that you're buying because 
there's there's a different texture when you're using fresh flour. And it's it's really cool, by the way. Once you get in the hang of it and really more um, confident with what you're doing, it's really fun and kind of exciting to see, hmm, how will this cookie taste different when I'm using this combination of wheat berries versus when I made it last week with this different combination of wheat berries? It is a slightly different taste. It is definitely a different texture. And it's something that, you know, the family probably should get used to. So it's great to do it slowly and to increase your increment of fresh to store-bought as the family gets used to it and as you get more comfortable baking with it. Um, another thing that most people don't know that makes a big difference, depending on what you're baking, is you can sift out your bran. Now, I've been talking about how great the bran is for you, but you can sift it out and you can keep that bran and use it in other ways. You can put it on your yogurt. Um, but if you sift out the bran, then your flour is going to be softer and lighter and more like the store-bought flour. Also, you do want to use a little bit less of the fresh flour than what the recipe calls for. Usually about two or three tablespoons less per cup because the fresh flour does absorb the liquid more. But it does take longer to absorb the liquid than commercial flour does. Try to not add extra flour as you're working with it. You know, if you've been baking a long time and you you just know the feeling of your dough, whatever it is you're making, and you or you're looking at your cookies in the mixer and you know, oh, I need some more flour and you toss it in. Don't resist, I should say, resist that temptation when you're using fresh flour. Try to not add extra flour because it might take 10 or 15 minutes for the flour to totally absorb the liquid. And if you've added too much, then you're not going to have the right consistency in 10 or 15 minutes. Um, so try to work with it. If you're, if it's something you have to work with, with your hands and need it, try to use it a little sticky, get your hands wet with some water. That helps a lot. And you can use it. You can work with the dough a little better. Um, I'm not saying overly sticky and, and horribly messy, but just kind of get used to, uh, the dough is going to be a little stickier. Also avoid over kneading it. Try kind of mixing your ingredients together and then walking away, setting a timer for 10 or 20 minutes. Um, and, you know, bonus, by the way, when you've returned, your dough isn't going to be as sticky. If you do mix it lightly, walk away and then finish your meeting, your kneading. <laughs> um, and my final tip, add vital weak gluten to your dough. If you're having trouble, if you're making bread and you're having trouble with it rising, just a tablespoon of vital weak gluten per cup of flour is, it can make a huge difference and all the difference for you. I will link my favorite vital wheat gluten in the show notes. And I talk about this in that free resource too. So go to solelyrested.com slash F-L-O-U-R and sign up for that to get. And these tips are outlined there too. So if you were just trying to write them all down, it's all in the free resource. Okay, what about cost? I knew going into this, real food is typically more expensive and I knew going into it, it probably wasn't going to save us money. I was unbelievably surprised when I did the cost benefit analysis, comparing fresh flour to, and I will admit, I'm, I was comparing it to the high end, really great King Arthur flour that I was buying, trying to get the best option that I could if I wasn't making it myself. But when you compare the price of fresh flour to the cost of the better flours you can buy, I found, you ready for this? I couldn't believe it. I was saving $1.63 
cents on every five pounds of flour by making it myself. So then I did the math more and tried to calculate how much flour we use a year. And I found that I was saving, I couldn't believe it, I was saving $391.20 a year. So 390 bucks a year. That paid for my mill in the first year. Depending on what mill, it might take a couple of years, but it pays for itself even, which is crazy. I I was really pleasantly surprised because that is not usually the case when, like I said, when you're talking about the better foods, you usually have to figure out a way to cut somewhere else in your budget and make the real food the priority sometimes. But it's a pleasant surprise to know that that's not even the case with fresh flour. Um, oh, I have a list here. I wanted to make sure I told you that. I know I'm talking all about wheat berries specifically, but you can grind alternative flour. If you have a gluten sensitivity or for different reasons, you might want to use alternative flours because they're higher in protein or whatever it is that you're looking for in your diet. There are a lot of alternative flours that mill wonderfully in a grain mill. Now, every grain mill is different. You have to check with the manufacturer to see what each one can grind. But I pulled out my manual for my harvest mill and I thought I would read you the list. Hard wheat, soft wheat, spelt, kamut, rye, barley, einkorn, farro, is that how you pronounce it, I think? Quinoa, millet, oh, I don't know. I know this one, but I always am stuck on how to pronounce it. Amaranth, amaranth, sorghum, brown rice, wild rice, oat, dried corn, buckwheat, soybeans, lima beans, black beans, pinto beans, lentils, chickpeas, and then I wrote M more. I guess I got tired of typing the list. I don't know why I just put M more. Maybe the maybe the manufacturer, I don't know. Maybe the book says, and there are a few more than aren't list. That's weird though. I'm sure they don't. Maybe I just thought the other ones were obscure, but I should have included them. Sorry. <laughs> well, again, in that resource, I do have a full list at solelyrested.com slash F-L-O-U-R. One of the days I send you information on that. Okay what wheat berries to use. So you can use all these different kinds of wheat berries, even these alternative grains. You can use ancient grains. I know if you were listening, you heard some listed in that. What ones do you use? Well, if your baked good has yeast in it or sourdough, which is a natural yeast, and it needs to, then it needs to develop gluten. So if it doesn't develop gluten, it's going to be flat and hard and kind of like a brick, right? So for those kind of things, so you know what I'm talking about, right? Those certain kind of baked goods, you need to use hard wheat. So anything that you need to give a rise time to before it goes in the oven, you probably want to use hard wheat because it has more, much more gluten potential and it can give you that rise. Otherwise, you can use soft wheat berries or often um, ancient grains are considered to act like a soft wheat berry, or you could use a mixture of both soft and hard. Like mixtures are really good when I'm making cookies. I always use a mix of a soft and hard wheat berry. Um, brownies are really good to use a mixture of, and even biscuits, you can use a mixture of your hard and your soft. But when you're talking about muffins or pastries, really delicate things, those you are always going to want to use soft wheat berries. So 
you might have figured out that you absolutely need to have at least an, a, a small assortment of wheat berries if you want to do this. But um, once you start enjoying it, like I have gotten totally hooked, you you want a huge assortment because like I said earlier, it's super fun to mix and match and see what you come up with, what your final result is. So maybe I should do a whole episode on just um, maybe alternative grains and the ones that I use and how I use them. That might be fun. Let me know if that's something you'd be interested in. Or maybe I should do a whole one on the mills. <laughs> maybe I shouldn't tell you this. I have three mills currently in my home. Three, three different kinds. It's a long story. You know what? I, I will just, what do you think? Should I just do a whole episode on this as to why on earth Michelle has three mills and which ones are, well, my thoughts on them all. Yeah, I think I should do that. Let me know what you think. Um, okay. So I think that's everything. Let me look at my notes. Did I forget anything? I think that's everything. So I hope you found that interesting and I hope I've piqued your interest to the point that you will go to solelyrested.com slash flower, F-L-O-U-R. And seriously, let me share with you lots more details. Um, and let me know what you'd like to know in upcoming episodes relating to flower because there's plenty of things I can talk about for sure. But thanks for listening, guys. Remember, next Monday is our 100th episode. I'm so excited. And um, this Friday, as usual, on Fridays, we now are releasing mini episodes. So check out that. Give it a quick download every Friday. And if you haven't left a review over on Apple Podcasts, I would seriously love to hear from you and see a review of the podcast. Remember, guys, it is easy to forget how blessed we are to live this life. So enjoy the simple everyday efforts like making fresh flour. It can be a little added effort, but you don't even think about the effort when you start realizing how good it is for you and when it becomes seriously pretty fun. So anyway, it's not easy, guys, but it's a good life. 